Hi guys, before we get to today's episode, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Walter Wallace Jr. On Monday, October 26, 27-year-old Walter Wallace Jr. was experiencing a mental health crisis. Walter's family lawyer states that the family called 911 requesting an ambulance to help. It was reportedly the family's third call for help that day. Police arrived on the scene first. They spotted Walter outside his home holding a knife. The two officers told Walter to drop the knife. His mother tried to grab him and shield him from the police as they had their guns drawn, witnesses said. She pleaded for the police to put their guns down and asked her son to drop the knife. Walter then walked around a car slowly and stepped towards the officers. The officers then fired a total of 14 times killing Walter. Walter was a father, an Uber Eats driver, and aspiring, aspiring rapper. His wife is due to give birth this week. Adults with untreated severe mental illness account for one in every four federal police shootings, according to a 2015 report by the Treatment Advocacy Center. They are also 16 times more likely to be stopped by the police than other people. I wanted to take a moment before today's episode to say rest in peace, Walter Wallace Jr. I will. I pray for your family. I pray for peace for them. And until things get better and until we inspire world change, we will continue to hear of multiple black men being shot by police. But for anyone who is experiencing any type of mental issues, or even just depression or other mental disturbances, seek help, reach out. Again, like I always say, guys, I love you. Take care of yourselves. All right, guys, thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Provoking the Conversation podcast. You guys know me, it's Sean, back again. And i um, going to talk about a few things today, a few things that may, you know, rub you guys the wrong way, but I don't really care. You guys know what it is. You've been listening to me for, what is this, episode 20, I want to say 27? Yeah, episode 27 of the Provoking the Conversation podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Sean. Um, so, some of the things that we're going to talk about today, the return of AB. Those of you who don't know who AB is, I'm talking about Antonio Brown. If you don't know the Antonio Brown story, you're just not going to know it. No, nah, I'm, I'm going to explain it. Don't worry, guys. The other things we're going to talk about, FDA approves an, a drug to treat COVID. It's not a vaccine, but it is an approved drug. Jeffrey Tubin, Tubin or Tubin, or however you, you say his name, some high executive got, got caught spanking the monkey on a Zoom call. Yeah, 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 he did. We'll t- yeah, I'll, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. 
Joe Rogan's in trouble again. Nothing new. And of course, I'll give you guys my thoughts um, of the debate. Guys, thank once again for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Let's go ahead and um, talk about AB. For those of you who do not know, I am talking, when I say AB, I'm talking about Antonio Brown. So Antonio Brown is a football player, and I'm pulling up the article now. Um, Antonio Brown is a football player that has been in, um, for lack of a better phrase, some trouble. He's been in some really, 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 really big trouble. Um, he was accused twice. He's been accused two times of sexual assault. He's been accused of rape, not convicted. So allegedly he's been accused, not convicted, not proven, nothing like that. I want to make that very clear on this podcast. I'm not saying anybody's a sexual assaulter or a rapist unless they've been proven. Um, but like I always say, guys, if it happens multiple times, then there's some truth behind it. You know, that's the way I think about these things. That's the way I look at it. I don't know if all of these cases are true or accurate or exactly what he's being kind of charged for true. But there, there there's got to be some truth to this. In any case, this guy, Antonio Brown, so he was char- so he he was charged, not charged. I said allegedly he was suspected of these crimes. And then also there was a big fallout with his previous team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, my favorite team. So they let him go. Then he goes to the Oakland Raiders and he's going to collect, I think it was about $108 million or some type of crazy number for salary. And all he had to do was basically sign on with the Raiders for about, I think, till the end of training camp. There was a whole bunch of drama with that. I'm not going to really get too big into the story because... This is not a sports podcast, even though I am a big sports person. I'm not going to really go into detail. But basically, it was thought that Antonio Brown was on his last leg, that he was done in the league. After he got let go go from the Raiders, he went to the Patriots, where Tom Brady played. Him and Tom Brady played a game together, and then Antonio Brown was suspended. He got in more trouble, and the Patriots let him go. Fast forward to now. Recently, this past week, it was announced that Antonio Brown has been signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is the same team Tom Brady's on now. Um, Antonio Brown had to, had to serve an eight-week or eight-game suspension at the beginning of the season, and then he was free to sign with whatever team. Um, and then from there, you know, he was signed. Um, the reason why I'm bringing up Antonio Brown, because this is nothing new that a football player is being re-signed to an NFL team after he's done some pretty sketchy stuff. The article that I came across by Nancy Amore from the USA Today, and um, it says it's an opinion piece, but it's named Antonio Brown signing is a reminder to women of how little the NFL cares about them. And I thought that was really interesting. So, you know, it it goes into talks about that Antonio Brown was signed. Um, And again, it mentions the two women who have accused Brown of sexual misconduct and one who allegedly says he raped her. Um, Brown has also been accused of other things such as not paying physical therapists um, and just all kinds of other just undeemable things, for lack of a better phrase. Um, Again, he served an eight-game suspension. And he also 
was known to send intimidating texts to one of the women accusing him of sexual misconduct. So with that, guys, let's just say this guy has a lot of bad history. If you want to know the full story with all the little details, this is not the podcast for you. Go look it up. You have a computer or a phone. But I think the main thing that Nancy's trying to get across here is that how the NFL has handled over the years different cases of their players basically, you know, being caught in cases of abusing or assaulting women. You know, she goes on and on, says time and Time and time again, the NFL has made it clear that so long as a player can produce on the field, it doesn't matter if he beats women or degrades them when he's off it. The NFL is purely transactional, and the health, safety, and well-being of women don't figure anywhere into those equations. What makes Brown signing Friday all the more galling is the team that did it. Um, this was the, the team that did was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bruce Aarons have said many times that he wasn't going to sign Antonio Brown. Thus, that's changed. Also, she goes on and talks about that the Bucks happen to have a pink banner splashed across the top of the website, trouting, you know, breast cancer awareness, which is mainly standing, you know, for women. Also, talking about Tom Brady, the quarterback, which some of the things that he's done for International Women's Day, how he totes around his wife and his daughter and how he says women should be respected. And then he totes for Antonio Brown to come to the Bucks. Basically, what Nancy is saying here with this really long article is that the NFL doesn't give a damn about women. Um, it only gives a damn about his product. Hey, Nancy, welcome to the party. I, I did all that just to say welcome to the party. The NFL, and I wanted to take a moment to just let everybody know who listens to this podcast and hopefully others who come onto this podcast and listen to it over time, that these companies that put on these really great impressions that they care about social justice, you know, rights for women, things like that, things that are issues that have been around long enough to, uh, that should be changed and should be taken care of, that there's really been no progress on, it's a look, it's a PR stunt especially with sports leagues like the NFL. Um, it's kind of a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Now, in this case, I do believe everyone deserves a second chance. And Tony Brown has more than a second chance, so I think he's he's run out of his chances. Um, but in this case, I guess he's getting another one. You know, and she really just kind of lists her disdain for Antonio Brown and how he gets another chance to play in the National Football League when he's clearly disrespected or possibly and has been um, accused of abusing and sexually assaulting women. Now, accused, nothing's been proven. So I'm not going to sit here and call Antonio Brown this or that because nothing's been proven. But if someone says you're a killer more than once, more than likely you did something that made them think that way. So you're not completely innocent, but you're not completely guilty. I'm not saying they called him a killer. I'm just using that as an example here, people. So I just, I just thought that was interesting. And I wanted to use that as the springboard for our next segment. Which is going to be our conversation starter. I know last week I didn't get one to you. So I wanted to get one to you guys this week. And our conversation starter this week is, does everyone deserve a second chance or even a third chance? Because if we look at Antonio Brown, we can see that he's obviously gotten chance after chance after chance. And this kind of made me think, 
a lot of times when we get into our circles with our friends and our families, we are really quick to write off certain entities. For an example, maybe you have a best friend for life. And if that best friend does you wrong, for an example, I had a friend where one of her best friends had, you know, sex with her boyfriend. It was bad. And that's a bad thing. But she immediately wrote her off, even though the friend apologized, the friend realized it was a mistake, there was some bad blood there, um, but she immediately wrote her off and they haven't talked since. Now, is this my place to say if that was right or not? Not really. But it made me think that, you know, what is your tolerance of second and third chances? Now, a lot of us would say, well, we don't, I don't give second chances, or I do give second chances, or I give second, third, or fourth chances. I don't think it's really that simple. I think the chances we give depend on the people who we're interacting with. I've seen women give their men chance after chance after chance when I could look at the dude like, he really don't deserve another chance. He go go out here and cheat on you again, girl. I don't know what you see in him. You know, and I've said that to female friends and they've looked at me crazy like, no, he'll change and he, he's going to do better and he's going to get a new job. Yeah, OK, I'll, I'll be I'll be waiting over here with my cup of tea for you to come back around. Don't worry, I'll be here. But that's kind of the case there. You know, some people will give chances to chance after chance to their spouse and their spouse would have done things, you know, wrong over and over again. Now, if you're married. Obviously, that changes the dynamic a little bit. If you're engaged, that obviously changes the dynamic. But, you know, if you're dating, you know, Jeffrey for six months and he's cheating on you three times, like, come on, girl, figure it out. Use your brain. Let's go. You waste, you wasting six months here. You could be doing something else. You could have started a business by now instead of messing with this dude. I digress. And same thing with men. I've seen men do it on the other side. You know, we sit here and we spend money and time and dates and buy things for women that wouldn't talk to us unless we throw money at them. And it's like, and this woman continuously shows you every other day that you're really not nothing more than a bank to them or nothing more to do when, when they have free time and we just continue to go back. And I just think that's, that's crazy. And you know, I'll be honest with you guys, I've been there, but now looking back, it's like, what the heck were you doing? But that's the thing. We will choose who to give second chances to. Me, I personally believe that everyone deserves a second chance. Now, the big thing with me is that what is the condition of that second chance? For example, if a woman I'm dating, you know, dishonors my trust or does something I don't like, I'm not going to say an exact scenario because I don't know what, how I'm going to react, but certain scenario, you know, she gets a second chance, but you're on a very, very short leash. And I think a lot, and I think a lot of that, um, is not how other people do it. People give people a second chance. It's just like, oh yeah, free roam. Let's just go back to where we was. We can't sit here and act like, you know, once we give people a second chance, that is just to go back to where it was because. We know that's not how that works. But going back to Antonio Brown, he's not one of the ones that deserve a second chance. So um, I know guys who've only messed up once in the NFL, you know, who got kicked out instantly. Another guy that I think about in the NFL is Kareem Hunt. For those of you who don't know the Kareem Hunt scenario, Kareem Hunt was caught on video kicking a female. Now, it was said that that female said some very 
racially derogatory remarks towards him. That's not really an excuse in my book, but that was the reason why. Now, Kareem Hunt got another chance, and he was on video. Antonio Brown got multiple chances when he was just um, accused, excuse me, he was accused of it. There's other guys who didn't get a second chance. Insert Ray Rice. And all these names, you're free to look them up. Ray Rice was caught on an elevator camera knocking a girl out, and he never saw the NFL field again. But wait a minute. Ray Rice was years ago, so wait a minute. We let Ray, we kicked Ray Rice out the NFL for knocking a girl out, but we don't kick Kareem Hunt out for kicking a girl. We don't kick Tyreek Hill out for threatening his baby mama, and the recording was released, and if you ever heard that recording, it is so disgusting. It is, it's nasty. Like, it, it, it's just, it made me, when I listened to that recording, it made me cringe, the way he threatened the mother of his children. And then we let Antonio Brown back in. Here's the thing with these companies, NFL, companies you work for. The standard change is based on the dollar amount that that person can bring in. That's the thing. Your value to these companies, if you haven't figured this out yet, is how much dollars you bring in or how much dollars you cost. That is really your value of these companies. And I don't mean to talk bad on corporate America, but that's just how the system works. They are about their bottom line. Some companies aren't. Some companies are really good at playing it in the middle of caring about its employees as people and getting the bottom line. But every company can't do that. A lot of times you got to make a lot of money first before you can start caring about employees. That's why only really the major corporations, you know, can really do that. There are some small organizations, of course, that do it, but not as much. Now, staying on the second chance thing, and I'm kind of going to get off this and get to the rest of our topics today because we got a lot to hit today, guys. Um, when we're thinking of giving people a second chance, it's fine. Like, people deserve second chances in our relationships, in our lives. You know, even, people even deserve second chances, you know, at your jobs. But I, I think when we give people second chance, we sh they should come with some type of conditions. I think... I think some of us just, you know, give second chances too freely and willing and don't recognize patterns. Especially like I gave the example with men and women in relationships. We just let, you know, people continuously do the same thing over and over again and we expect them to change. And I don't think that's how that's supposed to work. So, you know, think about that. Think about second chances. Just thought that was interesting. All right, so let's go ahead and get to our next topics here. All right, guys, so news about the coronavirus. So the FDA has officially approved, and let me make sure I say this right, Remiser, spelled R-E-M-D-E-S-I-V-I-R, to treat COVID-19. Um, so the way I read this article and the way that I've looked it up a little bit, it's really supposed to be confirmed to shorten COVID recovery times in some patients. And it was also the, the most recent drug that was used on Donald Trump when he was in a hospital with coronavirus. So that's the main reason it was approved. It's mainly for people who already have it. It's not a vaccine. I think they're still working on that. But that's a big case there. And I think that's something that um, we need to kind of pay attention to. The other thing about this that's interesting is that this drug gets approved by the FDA right after 
it was used on the president of the United States. I don't believe in coincidence, guys, but I think there's something to be said there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing because this is just, this is older news. I'm sure you guys have already talked and heard about this, but I have to talk about it. So the New Yorker has suspended reporter Jeffrey Tubin for, <laughs> I'm not going to say the word in the article. Um, we're just going to call it spanking the monkey. If you can't figure out what spanking the monkey is, then you probably need to go back and have the birds and the beads talk with your parents. I'm not going to have that talk with you on this podcast. <laughs> but he was spanking the monkey on a Zoom call between members of the New Yorker and the WNYC radio last week. Tubin says he did not realize his video was on. Quote, I made an embarrassingly stupid mistake believing I was off camera. I apologize to my wife, family, friends, and coworkers. I believe I was not visible on Zoom. I thought no one on the Zoom call could see me. I thought I had muted the Zoom video. <laughs> Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Jeffrey, listen to me. I hope you listen to this podcast one day. Because you need to hear this. Gentlemen. Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Not only Jeffrey. Do not spank your monkey while your computer camera is even near you what come on are you is is jeffrey really that privileged and that rich that he's like oh man the camera's not on i'm really gonna risk it i'm gonna go ahead and just mute the camera and get one off and then come back on like what like who does that i mean i work remotely too and when you're when you're handling your business, I don't want no cameras around. Like this doesn't make any sense, Jeffrey. Like, oh, I thought the camera was off. Well, why is the camera even pointed towards you? And obviously, he knew he was on a Zoom call, so he obviously just thought, well, I'll just stop my camera, get one off real quick, and come back. Like, come on, dude, come on. And right now, Jeffrey's on administrative leave, but he'll get his job back. Don't worry. Because he'll say it was an honest mistake. I didn't mean for it to happen. And again, going to second chances. Something like this. Do I think Jeffrey deserves a second chance? I mean, it kind of is an honest mistake. I'm sure Jeffrey isn't only isn't only isn't the only man that, you know, gets one off doing a Zoom call. I'm not that type of guy. When I'm on a Zoom call, I like to give people my full attention. Um, but you know, to each their own. However you got to get through your work day is none of my business. I just don't suggest doing that. <laughs> I just, I, I don't, me thinking about this just, I, I don't want a camera near me. Plus, every camera, like, your lap, a lot of laptop cameras have covers to them. Maybe not on the MacBooks here, but, like, I have an HD camera. It has a cover on it. And it actually has a light on it that indicates if it's on or off. You know, you would think somebody who works for the New Yorker would know this, but, you know, I, I, I could be wrong. I, I could be completely wrong. I just thought that was just, I think it's a little idiotic, but I could be being insensitive here. And first of all, what is on, here's the other question. What is on the Zoom call that is, you know, spanking the monkey material? Seriously. Like, what is on the Zoom call? Me I guess he maybe he has a crush on the secretary or one of the that is like that is ugh, okay. I, I got to get off this subject because that that to me is just like come on, dude. Now when I look at this guy's picture, I'm like, ah, right, 
you look creepy. You look a little nasty. You look like you spanked a monkey during Zoom calls. So I kind of get it, but it's just. So I was always, and then I'm going to leave this topic. I was always taught, don't ever put yourself in the situation that something bad could happen. Keep yourself out of those situations as much as you can. Maybe Jeffrey didn't get the same lessons. Maybe a mentor didn't come along and say that to Jeffrey. But that's probably why I don't want any type of camera even not covered when, you know, you know, I'm scared to have the cameras pointed towards me when I'm in my room changing, let a, let alone doing my private business. I don't know, guys. Maybe that's me. Um, maybe that's just how I roll. I just, you're not going to catch me spanking my monkey on the camera. I promise you. Uh-uh. If you want to see that, you will wait for my OnlyFans release. That's it. Other than that, it's not happening. And if I'm doing an OnlyFans, I'm be charging. Mm-mm. You know how hard I work in the gym for this body? You just get to see for free on a Zoom call? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> All right, so next thing here. My guy, Joe Rogan. Now, I love all the Joes. Joe Button, Joe Rogan, Joe Buck. I like those guys. I, I think they're all good guys, you know? Joe Rogan was one of the first podcasters or, you know, media people that I really started listening to, you know, he got that big deal earlier in the year with Spotify, um, but it looks like he's in trouble again. Um, th- there's he's been catching some heat over the last few months, and this is what happens with new. Wh- what did Biggie say? More money, more problems. Yeah, it seems like the people with the biggest bank accounts just just their problems just get amplified. Think about it. What have I talked about in this episode? I've talked about Antonio Brown, lots of money. Jeffrey Tubin, he works for the New Yorker. He got to have some money. And Joe Rogan, lots of money. And then after I'm done talking about Joe Rogan, who am I going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the two big, biggest money people in the country right now, Joe Biden and, and um, Donald Trump. And all they do is talk about money this. Joe, you got your money here. You guys kind of get the idea. More money, more problems. But people are canceling Joe Rogan, um, mainly canceling their Spotify accounts, and Spotify kind of took some heat when Joe Budden and his crew left. I kind of followed that media trail because Joe Budden aired out some negative things about how Spotify handled their contract. Um, and now this coming out by Joe Rogan, you know, Spotify's not doing great. I mean, I'm sure they're not worried about it. I'm sure they're used to this type of thing. But anyway, people are canceling their Spotify accounts after Joe Rogan has Alex Jones on podcast and they talk Hunter Biden vaccines before election. So again, it appears that Joe Rogan is getting canceled by the internet again. Just last month, Rogan was heavily criticized for booking controversial writer Abigail Schur, which led to an angry Spotify employee threatening to strike unless they get editorial control of the JER podcast. Uh, Looks like during that episode... The guest sharply questioned whether extremely young women would be undergoing gender trans- transition operations, treatment, and therapies, while also questioning whether many of these women are genuinely trans or s- simply seeking acceptance and validation. Ooh, that's not good. That drew accusations of tra- uh, transphobia from the contingent LGBTQ um, community. 
um, especially the Spotify employees, who reportedly demanded changes in more than 10 separate meetings with Spotify upper management. So these were actually employees that came about Joe, Joe Rogan before. So this is not just people from the outside. This is people inside of that company. Spotify employees were demanding direct editorial oversight over the recently acquired Joe Rogan Experience podcast. That would include the ability to direct and edit and remove sections of upcoming interviews or block the uploading of episodes deemed problematic. The employees also demanded the ability to add trigger warnings, corrections, and references to fact-checked articles on topics discussed by Rogan in the course of his multi-hour discussions. Uh, on Tuesday, a week before the presidential election, Rogan had a confidential um, Infrared founder and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones on the podcast, and they touched on a hot-button topic such as Hunter Biden's laptop and Bill Gates' vaccine conspiracy theory. Um, there's, a, there's actually a clip here, so I'll actually let you guys listen to this clip. And they, Here's the thing. He calls him dozens of times. Everybody knows when you bring a laptop or anything in, they say, if you don't pay for this, we're going to wipe it and sell it. And so three months goes by, six months goes by, nobody ever comes and gets it. The guy goes to look at it at the repair shop, the owner, and there's all these 25,000 files, what looks like underage girls, and all the rest of this crazy stuff and him smoking crack or God knows what. He gives it to the FBI. Ray does nothing, the director, hides it from Trump. And so people, let's just say inside that had copies of that, they leak it to Rudolph Giuliani, who then now has started to put it out. So instead of instead of facing up to it, they just say anyone promoting this, whether it's the House or Senate committees that we're linking to it, right. or the New York Post or the president's press secretary, you're now banned, which again shows it's it's election meddling. It's, it's, it's gatekeeping to cover this up. So... Yeah, a lot to unpack there. He's specifically talking, that's Alex Jones talking, and it says Alex Jones break down the entire Hunter Biden laptop story and big tech election meddling in under a minute. So that's kind of what he was saying there. Now, Joe Rogan is known for having people from the far left and the far right, but I've been seeing, you know, he, he's known for having controversial people on his podcast. Um, and then also Joe Rogan, there's also another clip here that Joe Rogan says kids are getting polio from taking vaccines after Alex Jones spreads conspiracy that Bill Gates is trafficking vaccines that get a hundred percent of people sick. Um, this was a tweet by Nathan Bernard who kind of pointed this out. So I'll let you guys hear this too and make, um, your own, um, opinion of this. Vaccine, one hundred percent got sick. Bill Gates was on CBS News, and he said eighty percent of the people get sick. Yeah, and twenty percent of them go to the hospital. No, it was two vaccines. They said one vaccine, one hundred percent got sick, and a certain percent went to the hospital. The other eighty percent got sick, and twenty percent of those. And went sometimes to the hospital. that does happen, even with the flu vaccine, right? Like sometimes I, I, people get. I swear get a to God, sick. you type in. Bill Gates grilled by CBS. I'll bring it up. Pull, pull up AP Bill Gates polio vaccine. But that's a coronavirus. Uh, he said polio vaccine. All right. Oh, all right. Okay. Now, I'm, now I'm pissed. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you the headline. It was... Uh, um, was see exact... if there's a polio... Hold on. What was the headline? Article. It was uh, UN. UN vaccine causes polio. UN vaccine causes polio. Okay. <clears throat> 
UN vaccine causes polio. Google you is know, not going to show October. you shit. Google is compromised. Can <clears throat> you just ask Jeeves, please? UN says new polio outbreak in Sudan was caused by oral vaccine. Yeah. Whoa. It's not good. New polio outbreak in Sudan is caused by oral vaccine. And this, look at that kid's face. Oh, my God. Is that a terrifying image? The image of them distributing that. Look at that poor kid's face. Imagine that kid getting polio from that vaccine. They're just... He looks so terrified. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, that's tragic. Oh. And a bunch of them died, but, you know. So, yeah. And then th there was some backlash that, um, you know, people were saying on Twitter. They were canceling their Spotify accounts. And it, it's just... It, it's just it's just ugly. I mean, we're in a time now where the moment that a company allows a certain type of content out, people are canceling. People are no longer want to be affiliated. People no longer want to give that company their money. Um, and Spotify, you're, you're not special. You're, you're, you're part of that, too. If you give the attention to these type of conspiracy theories or people that are right wing or even for left wing, you know, you, you're going to you're going to get hurt here. Um, people are going to leave. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say if that's right or wrong. That's that's really not my place. That's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to kind of get you guys to think here. Because this is this has been happening for a while. And, and what's happening with the Joe Rogan, um, it's going to happen to other companies as well. And it has been happening. Companies that, you know, let certain content on their websites and their podcasts or on their shows. Yeah, I just tried to kill Netflix for the flip for the movie. What was it? What was it? Cuties or something like that with the little kids that they were dancing. I still haven't watched it. I don't really plan on watching it, but you guys kept saying it's disgusting. Yeah, I just tried to get kill Netflix, one of the biggest subscription services in the world. So Spotify, why do you think you're free of this? Now, of course, you know, basically how you guys were describing this movie that I'm talking about on Netflix, Cuties, I, I think that was the name of it. Um, it was basically almost child, you know, it was very child children being sexualized between what we just heard of Alex Jones. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of different realms, but, you know, people who are really left um, or Democrats or whatever you want to call them were really offensive by that. I'm, I think everyone had a problem with the movie. I've never seen it. Um, I'm, you know, so I can't really speak on it. But I just thought like that was interesting with how this came across about Joe Rogan and how politicized it was. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with the Joe Rogan show. This is the second time it came out. This is one of my fears of being a podcaster, guys. Um, as I continue to do this, and I plan on doing this for years and years and years because I love doing this. I love talking to you guys. I love doing this. People have reached out and said they love what I do. Um, but that's one of the things I'm going to run into. I'm going to say something one day on this podcast, and I'm going to get killed on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I'm just going to have to live with it. Joe Rogan, this isn't the first time he's received heat, and I'm sure he's going to handle it um, appropriately. I don't think he should get the blame here because all he's doing is trying to get guests on his show and allowing them to speak. Now, maybe what he said about the polio thing um, is wrong, and maybe he does need to apologize for that, but are we really going to, again, Spotify might catch you, but are we are people really going to be this hypercritical of him um, for just having a person on the show? He's just trying to create content. You know, I'm sure some people will want to cancel my podcast for, 
you know, what I said about Antonio Brown, the NFL, like, oh, the NFL does care about its people. It's allowed to give second chances. Oh, man, the people that play in the NFL ain't so bad. Come on, bro. I know the NFL is not full of Boy Scouts, but let, let's be honest here. And that's really what I try to do here is just try to be honest. And the honesty here is that Joe Rogan just brought a guy on his show that is a complete conspiracy theorist. And what would he be? He would be a right winger. And that's okay because he's doing it to provoke some conversation. Now, if he agrees with them or not, that's completely different. Um, I'm interested how that goes when I start getting people who have like different political views than me on this show. But we'll get there when we get there. But that's Joe Rogan. He's in some trouble. Spotify employees, Spotify subscription holders are really batting against him and calling for some editorial, you know, control of him. The interesting part is, is it going to happen? I don't think so. The whole reason Spotify brought Joe Rogan is because he brings viewers. Why does he bring viewers? Because he's so controversial. Now, Granted, I've been listening to Joe Rogan longer than most people. Um, he he gets on the left at times, and he gets on the right, and he gets in the middle. Some of the things I agree with, what he says, some of the things I don't. I don't really listen to him for his political view. I'm not listening to the Joe Rogan podcast for his political view. I'm there to hear what the guest has to say and kind of how the conversation goes. That's it. I'm not there for educational experiences, and I'm not there to fact check them. But we're in the point of history now where Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all these social medias and everything that's released on a DSP has to be fact-checked because we have a president that just lies and lies and lies, and we have a former vice president who also has lied and lied and lied, and now nobody knows the truth from fiction. And that's why everyone got to be fact-checked and everyone has to be censored. And I don't know. I don't know, guys. It's heading towards a collision course. Something got to give eventually. We're either going to regulate everybody or we're not going to regulate everybody. And the way it's going right now, that we're going to regulate everybody. I don't know, guys. I really don't. But um, leaving that alone, let's get to our final topic. Mm, let's get ready to rumble! The debate. And um, <laughs> I just want to share with you guys, I think I laugh more during these debates than I do during the Comedy Central specials. Because, these, look, let me just be, be clear. I'm not a Donald Trump fan. I'm not a Joe Biden fan. It, it, there's reasons behind it. I don't really like any politician. Because by the time they get the presidency, they're basically corrupted. Now, some people say, well, Donald Trump's not a politician. He's only been in office for four years. The moment he decided to run for president, he became a politician. I don't want to hear that crap. He decided to enter this realm. Now, is he a, is he a, um, not year long, the, um, lifetime politician? Not really. But if you're a businessman, you got some political in you. I know you do. I work in business. It's it's a lot of political. So you can save me with that and you can miss me with that. So just some just some high level points here that I took away from the debate. The first thing that I really kind of took um notice to was when they was talking about healthcare. Healthcare is one of the bigger topics here. Um health I think the three biggest topics here would be the race in America, I think um coronavirus, 
and I think healthcare and slash the relief bill. I think everything else is kind of lower end, but I think those are the three main things that people in America are looking for. Now, concerning healthcare, um, you know, it's been said over and over again that Biden wants to take private insurance away. Um, but he, he explained in the debate that he wants to make a new health care plan, you know, that's a little bit better than Obamacare because a lot of people were complaining about the premiums and it wasn't run right. That's why Donald Trump wants to get rid of it. But Biden says we, sh- we need to keep this around. Let's make it. I'm going to get rid of it, make it better and give people the option to choose private and public insurance, not together, but one or the other. And Trump says, like, if you do that, you're going to kill the private insurance game. Now, I want you guys to think with your noggins here. And if you can't think with your noggins, I'm going to think for you for a little bit. It all depends on how you do this. If Joe, but- if Joe Biden passes a law that makes, you know, public health insurance affordable, meaning, you know, let's say you pay like an extra $300 a year in taxes if you get, you know, Biden care, whatever. I don't know how they would do it. I'm just saying. But if he makes it affordable and he makes it more affordable than you getting private insurance through your employer, which is probably how most of us who are listening to this podcast who work in corporate America get our health insurance, including myself, that will actually, if we think about it, hurt private insurance. Now, some people are like, well, maybe, maybe not. But Let's just let's just play it on the safe side and say it does. What happens if you hurt private insurance? What is private insurance? It's a business. What happens when you hurt a business? Jobs go away. I'm not saying that's what Biden wants. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen if Biden does this and he gets elected. I'm just saying we have to stop thinking about it as in one end or the other and think about, okay, what happens if we let this person do this? What happens if we let this person do that? If Donald Trump gets rid of Obamacare and doesn't have a plan to replace it because he's never talked about a plan, he didn't talk he didn't talk about a plan during the debate. He just said, "Oh, we're, we're going to make it better." Or, oh, oh, Obamacare sucked. It was badly run. We run it better now. It was badly run." He didn't give me any context about what your plan afterwards. Then that's also a bad thing. I I think the question is would we rather have public health care that will compete with private insurance and maybe hurt that market? Or will we not have, excuse me, will we not have, excuse me, public health care that can compete with private health care and maybe create a shortage in the private health care field that ultimately could lose jobs? Or will we rather have no public health care at all? Because I think if Donald Trump does get reelected, I think that what will happen, I think he'll say he'll try to replace it, but I don't see that as something at the top of his list because he barely brings it up. That's my opinion. This is not a political podcast. I'm not here to influence your votes. I'm just telling you how I think here. And I think we're choosing between those two, which I'm going to choose Joe Biden here because I think everyone should have a right to health care. That's just how I feel. I don't feel like the, you know, people should have to worry about Every, when they go into not go to the hospital because they don't have health care. That is the scariest thing ever. And we're in the middle of a pandemic. And that's what Biden's saying. Maybe Biden doesn't have the right way to do it. Maybe his way won't be most efficient. I don't know. I just think that Biden's way would be better in this case. That's my opinion. Trump does make a point. I know I just said that. Bear with me. Trump does make a point that if you if you make it too affordable, you can't kill private insurance, which you can't do that, or at least you shouldn't, because it will kill jobs, thousands of jobs. 
Other thing that they brought up was the relief bill. Um, you know, the moderator, first of all, shout out to her. I, I should have her name here. The moderator, she did a great job. She she took control. She asked really, really good questions. She didn't always get an answer, but she has really good questions. She was really on point. She really she was really listening because she asked some follow-up questions that made me say, ooh, that's a good question. So shout out to her. She won the debate. <laughs> she won. None of these fools won. Um, but the relief bill, you know, Trump was asked about why hasn't anything been approved yet? Trump blames Nancy Pelosi, of course, House leader, um, blames the Democrats. He's like, I want something to get passed. They want to prove it. They also brought up, you know, some minimum wage was brought up, being brought up to 15 as part of the plan to kind of help the economy after we get through this. Um, Trump argues that if you raise minimum wage, that you kill some of the small businesses because they have to fork out more money to people and then they have to fire people. Biden argued there's no numbers behind that and that won't happen. Here we go. See, this is why I stand in the middle. A lot of you guys may not know I was independent for a very long time for this reason. Last time on the health care, I agreed with Biden. With the $15 minimum wage, as much as I want for that to happen, and I think people should at least get paid $15 an hour to live, it's hard for me to think about like some of these small businesses how they're not going to fire people by paying them $15. Because you guys may think, well, if 12 to $15, because 12 might be what some of them are getting paid now, is not a big jump, but that's a big jump for a business if you have to do it for multiple employees. You're going to have to cut costs somewhere. And businesses will get rid of people before they get rid of things that help run their business, such as systems or products or machines, things like that. So Trump has a point there. I don't know... And Biden says there's no numbers behind it because and Trump makes a good point. They should do it by state by state. Okay. Trump, you're on to something there because it is different living for each state, such as $15 here in PA goes a lot farther than $15 in New York. So maybe we can't, we're on to something here where there is a federal, you know, legislative or whatever that says, hey, if, it, if your cost of living, your basic cost of living in this state is this high, your minimum wage has to be at least this much. Has to be at least 14. Has to be at least 15. Shit, in some states, I say make it 16, 17. Like in New York, it is nuts to live there. In California, it is nuts. You know, we can adapt it to each state because each state is different in how it lives. So I think you know, taking what Trump said, but making an adaptation to it. But I know what Biden's trying to get to. He's saying, like, there's too much of a gap between the people who are low middle class or low class and the wealthy or middle class and just the wealthy. We need to try and help close that gap. But I think you can do it in a smarter way by, yes, adapting per state. The whole problem is, is that if you leave it up to the states, you're not leaving it up to that governor or that state legislative and you don't always trust them. The federal government may need to step in in that more than they want to, but because of how our system works, it's a little hard to do that. So that's a tough one. Um, the other one was immigration. So with immigration, um, the, the biggest question was about the, I think, with the 500-something children that are separated from their families. And Trump couldn't give an answer. He couldn't give an answer of why they still haven't been reunited with their families. He just said, look, we're trying to get them back together. 
you know, um, but Trump also pointed the finger at Biden because during the Biden and Obama administration, he said that he built the cages. I don't know how true that is. I didn't fact check that. I think Trump was more digrading the, excuse me, avoiding the um, question because that is on him. You know, those were his orders to separate them. We shouldn't be separating families at the border. At least what you could do is turn them around. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be separating kids from their families. I will never agree with that. I don't care. I don't care what it is. And Donald Trump, in case you didn't know, every person that comes into this country is not a rapist or a killer. Matter of fact, most of them are just looking for a better life. So you need to stop calling them that because that's a bunch of bullshit. Not like he can hear me or anything, but for those of you who think that, I think that's a bunch of BS. Um, other thing that came up here, race in America, which as a black man, this is a big one for me. Um, one of the questions, and I thought this was a very interesting question, brings up the talk. And you guys, are about, for those of you who don't know what the talk is, you're about to learn something. So the talk, guys, is when parents sit down with, you know, children who are part of minority households, black, Latino, so on and so forth, and they talk to them about, these are certain things that you should do when you get pulled over. And they're not telling us this because it's good information. They're telling us this because our lives depend on it. When you put your hands on a stand where don't make any sudden movements, don't reach for the glove box without the officer's permission, don't wear a hoodie over your head, don't wear all black at night, don't go somewhere where people don't know you, things like that. Um, because the way, if you guys haven't realized, but um, the way America works is that all the black and brown people are, you know, more at risk of being shot by police officers, more at risk of being profiled and things like that. We've talked about this on this podcast, but the talk is basically the parent trying to tell a young child of how to operate in life in a more careful way than normal children should have to in order to make sure they come home safely. Um, I got the talk. I'm sure some of you who are African-American or minority got to talk to yourself. It's a very, it's a very weird experience when you're eight, nine, ten years old and your mom's telling you when you're walking outside and you see a police officer and you have a black phone, don't flash your phone because they may think it's a gun. It's a weird conversation to have where... You know, you tell your mom you want to go over your friend's house and you said they live here and say, I don't think you should go there because I they know you'll be the only black person there and you're at risk. It's a weird conversation when you first get your license and your dad says, um, you know, if you get pulled over, make sure you extra comply. Not complying is not a bad thing, but it's making sure that if you do something wrong, if even if you did nothing wrong, make sure you extra comply. Make sure you don't move. Make sure you don't have anything with you because you could be at risk. A lot of you won't understand how that conversation is because you won't ever have to. You never had it. And you never have to have it with your kids. Um, but a lot of you do understand, and it's an uncomfortable and it's 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 a conversation that shouldn't have to happen, but it does. But anyways, they brought up the tag. And they asked them what they would directly say to families that have to do that. Um, 
Biden said what I thought he was going to say. You know, he said all the right things. Trump, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, avoided the question. But I thought it was a great question. And I think that's something that everyone should ask themselves. What would you say to those families, you know, in this time? The other thing that was brought up with Mason America, of course, we all have heard of, if you haven't, is Joe Biden and the crime bill that was signed in 1994 which is known famously for putting hundreds and thousands of black males into the prison system. Now, this was the first time I've heard this. I might have been wrong. Biden came out and said, you know, hey, I was wrong here. He said, I wasn't, he said, when I was in the Senate and this was signed and I signed for it, I wasn't the only one. And during the time, I was wrong. He admitted it. He did. Go back and listen to it. He said, look, I was wrong. Um, he, he was wrong about the crime bill in the 80s. He said about 100% of the senators passed it. Um, and he's like, look, we need to change this. Nobody should go to jail for just that only drug charge. We need to change our prison system. We need to make this better. I think people can change. And again, this is the second chance thing that I was talking about. If we're willing to give Joe Biden a second chance to change his mind about black America, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, again, I'm not sitting here hoping that Joe Biden saves the African-American community. I think you guys know my thoughts about that. I think the African-American minority communities are really on their own for a long time until world change comes. But I think we can at least give a second chance. Now, giving Donald Trump a second chance, I'm not really with it because he's had four years to change my mind. And every chance I give him, he goes on and says something else outrageous. So I'll leave that where it is. I don't hate Donald Trump as a man. I just don't want him as the leader of our country. Because to me, I don't feel like he's the right leader that we need at the time. Um, now, if we want to run the country like a business and we're trying to grow the business, yeah, put Donald Trump in charge. He knows how to do that. but. So on and so forth, whatever. Last thing they talked about is climate change. Um, the biggest point I took away from here, and I know we've been here a while, but hanging with me, guys, um, is that <laughs> Biden really pointed out that within eight to ten years, our Earth is going to be at the point of no return. You know, a lot of if you guys haven't heard of some of the articles, scientists are calling that if we don't change the way we deal with climate change or we deal with recycling and all the different environmental things in eight to 10 years, we could push the earth past the point where we could recover. And the earth is like our body. We only get one. Now, some of you may not. Now, some of you who are older who listen to this podcast may not care because you may not be around. But us in our 20s who have kids, we probably want to try and keep this earth around for a long time. And and Joe's really hitting the climate change. Um, but one thing that, that was brought up was the oil industry, which is a big industry. Um, Joe Biden made a statement that within over time, he does want to get rid of the oil industry. And I think that statement was really big. I think he said between five to 10 years. But here's the thing. I think actually he said five years. Let me correct that. That's a big thing, guys. Um, there's two, there's two sides of this. One could be like, yes, get rid of the oil industry. He said the oil industry, at least on U.S. soil, because that's where he can control it, um, because that will help the planet. The second side of it, that's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs. 
Now, he, he did talk, Biden did get into saying, hey, I'm going to work on creating more jobs. But I, I'm almost trying to think like, all right, if I work in the oil industry for my whole life and in five years it's gone, what other job can I do? You know, are you going to create, you know, a job jobs that specifically these people can do and save those jobs for those people? Because if you if you create those jobs, what's stopping those jobs from being filled by college graduates? What's stopping those jobs from being filled by other people other than the people you're going to take out of employment? Because employment's important. I do think the oil industry getting out of American soil, it should be a goal for us, but maybe not that aggressive. And I think that's probably turned a few people away from Biden. My overall thoughts of the debate, guys, was it didn't really move the needle for me. I heard what I heard from Biden, and it was exactly what I expected with some surprise and some things that got cleared up because they didn't just argue over each other. They actually talked. And Trump basically did the Trump thing. He said some things that made sense. He made some things that doesn't. I still don't think his method of how he wants to move the country is effective, at least to me, for right now. Um, so I don't think he's I don't think he helped this case either. Here's the thing. And with the post, and I'm gonna leave you guys with this. With the post-debate interviews, like they do, they go around the round table and ask different people how they felt about it and all that. One of the people were like, look, at the end of the day, Donald Trump needed a knockout blow here in this debate to help him catch up. He didn't do that. The, so, and, he, and they talked about, about so many people have already voted. And this was last week. I can't even imagine sitting here on October 28th on a Wednesday, how many people have already voted. So that's the thing. Unless Donald Trump changes a lot of people's mind or change people's mind that are going into voting. I mean, I honestly don't think he's going to win this election, guys. Some of you may jump for joy. Some of you may roll your eyes. Some of you may be sticking the middle finger up at me because, you know, Trump's not my favorite person. But that's OK. I love you all, no matter what. But I think what we really need to think about here is that if Trump doesn't win the election and we do elect Biden and Kamala Harris, what is that future America going to look like? Not, not the fairy tale land America where they change everything and racial injustice stops and, and they save. What's the real America going to look like? What are the real things that you really think they're going to push? Think about that, guys. What is the real America going to look like? And that's a that's a real conversation we need to have. But we'll have it after the election. I'm sick of talking about politics, but we'll have some more talks after the election. Guys, thank you once again for listening. Um, again, if no one's told you today, I love you guys. Stay safe. Wear a mask. And once again, keep talking.